This is Bentley Manning. And this is Kellen Day. This is an experiment to see what happens when church gets canceled. And we find new ways to connect. This is... This is... This is... Empty Pews. Hey, Empty Pews family. Um, I missed you. And um, it's Kellen coming to you from the last little bit of, I guess it's not quite the last little bit of summer. We still have some weeks left, but it feels like we're kind of, you know, closing in on summer. For people in the mountains, it's the last little bit of summer. If you live in Texas or Birmingham or Louisiana... You got summer all year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it never stops. But it is like a little bit of the last little bits of summer, and it's good to be back. We've certainly missed being on the podcast. You I just said what you said you weren't going to say. I said it's good to be back. <laughs> I've said that a couple of times on this podcast. Right, we just, before we started recording, Bentley was like, I'm not going to say it's good to be back. And then you literally just said it. I think the point is, really, is like, we'll just make sure this is not a transition. I've said it, it's out of the way. Um, but really wonderful to be here on this podcast <laughs> with you, Kellen, and with the listeners um, for this last little bit of summer. Um, what are some of your hopes, Kellen, for this last little bit of summer? What do you want to do before uh, we transition into the fall? I want to swim as much as possible. Um, that's really what I want to do. That's what I want to do in summer all the time is just like get in rivers, lakes, pools, whatever. I don't care. Oceans. Um, I just want to swim. Like every day if I could. Well, speaking of which, while you were away, you were gone. Um, Did you get to swim while you were away? I did. I swam in the ocean. I'm off of Sullivan's Island and um, it was the warmest water I had been in all summer because the water up here is like frigid until right now. Um, And yeah, because I grew up on freshwater lakes, I still get a little nervous in the ocean, um, but I'm I'm doing all right. I I like it because of sharks or salt. Not because of the salt. No, just because of like the foreign animals that live in the ocean. They don't necessarily like they don't live in Lake Michigan. Don't you think there's some creepy animals in Lake Michigan? Oh yeah, they're like huge sturgeon. Like there are big fish, but they don't come into like the swimming areas. They don't. How do you know? Finally, just made a face at me um, be- because they just don't like you don't ever hear of like a sturgeon attack. <laughs> That's not a thing. <laughs> um, Kellen, if you don't mind, can we tell folks you were away and you were on a retreat? Which is different than a vacation. You were certainly not on a vacation. But very restful. If you talk about swimming in the ocean a little bit more, folks will be confused. So let's <laughs> let's <laughs> let's make sure they know what you were up to. That was a small part of our day. Yeah. We had other things, like a sort of ritual that we'd walk through every single day. Um we Who's the we? Um so three of my best seminary friends, um, we meet every week over FaceTime and we try to, you know, have a retreat every year when it's possible. And um, we got together and we hadn't seen each other in like 20 months. It was glorious. And we prayed together a lot. We sang together. We made food. We went on walks. We did a little bit of swimming in the ocean because um, we thought that was restful and um, worthy of a retreat. Um 
Yeah, it was it was just really restorative and well, joyful. So can I, I'm totally, totally jealous. And you know this, that you all got together, you figured this out. If any of my buddies are listening, I've tried to do this. With, How hard have you tried? Well, that's a good point. I mean, I think one of the things that you all have on what I would consider my group of, of uh, colleagues is that you all meet regularly every week. This is true. This if is true. Every week for an hour. It's wonderful. And I'm jealous of that as well. Well, I think that you all could make it happen. And Colin, particularly, if you're listening, I think you might be able to make it happen. Um, right. Like get your group of friends together. Because it was so, so wonderful. And it's like not something you can put words to, but it's exactly what you need. Tell me what you need. Kellen, have you been watching the Olympics at all? Um, I watch sort of the like highlights at the end of the day usually because we don't have a TV. So <laughs> so no. So no, I just watch like video highlights. Well, I think you're in the same boat as everyone else because, I mean, I'm all for the Olympics being in Japan. However, uh, the timing is way off for folks in the United States. Yeah, like the 4 a.m. women's soccer game. I was like, whew, maybe I can catch the end of it. Because but then I forgot about it the next morning. I, I know there are people, I know people that record sporting events and then they watch it later. Yeah, DVR. I can't, that to me just feels, it doesn't feel right. Huh. Like it needs to be in the moment, live or else i feel like you know, like live television isn't exactly live like it's happening at a different time than when you're receiving it when we were uh, so to, so yes i did know that kellen when we when we were in seminary um my our neighbors had cable mm-hmm. and we had we were streaming or vice versa i can't remember at times we would be watching the same sporting event and then you could hear them cheer before the touchdown happened, which was really stress. It was just disappointing. I would love that. It like cuts the like stressful suspense out of sports games for me. Like I get so stressed out when watching the Olympics or any sport sporting event because I like it just makes me feel sad for the loser. And I well, just so, I would rather have someone like cheer ahead of time so I'm like prepared. Like yeah. I know what's coming. Well this is where I think you might be the outlier and maybe y'all can let us know what you think. But the problem is is like if I'm gonna go watch a sporting event after it's happened, how do you shield yourself from the truth? Right? How do you actually get the thing to play? Like think about the Olympics without somehow discovering who won the shot put event? Oh, I see. Like, I would rather know who won and then watch the video. Like, Oof. like I wanted to know who won the gold for the gymnastics before I even like watched a highlight. Really? Yes. Yes. I like the. I like knowing the end. I like the outcome. It's. It's. I'm. Maybe I am the outlier. Did you know that Simone Biles dropped out? Of course. Everyone knows. Everyone that. Everyone knows that. Well, anyway, I so I so I guess we're both kind of not watching the Olympics. Yeah, sounds like it. (laughs) 
Okay, y'all. Um, Bentley's preaching this week, so we are still in John 6. We were there last week. We're going to be here for um, two more weeks after this, and we're in the I Am the Bread of Life discourse. And so in this particular episode in the discourse, Jesus reiterates, you know, I am the bread of life. And then people are like, wait, how can you be um, from heaven? We know who your father and mother are. And they sort of, uh, you know, protest to his description of him being the bread of life. And Jesus kind of doubles down and reiterates that, you know, he is the bread of life that, um, you know, the manna came down and the Israelites, though they were ate and were filled, they eventually died. Um, but this bread, Jesus, comes down from heaven and whoever eats of him and his flesh will live forever. All right, Kellen, you preached a wonderful sermon this past week. And if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen on Facebook. Hopefully you can find it there. Um but one of the things that jumped out to me, at least when you were giving, uh, you know, the condensed version of the reading is this idea, this um, kind of literalism that that the folks have in relationship to what Jesus is saying about himself, which just at least says to me on some level what John, what Jesus is saying is that the way that you're going to come to understand who I am might be a little bit different than what you would expect. Yeah, so if we aren't to play the part of the fool in the audience and um, take Jesus literally, at least here in this gospel text, um, I'm curious how we are to understand Jesus or encounter Jesus. And um, I can't help but think of how John sets up his whole story right, which is rich with poetry and metaphor and signs and symbols. And um, yeah, just sort of, sort of slantedly almost, right, that we don't (laughs) need to sort of encounter Jesus on this, like, easy, literal, obvious level, but that um, the person of Jesus is sort of discovered on these... um, I don't know, more mysterious but beautiful and intuitive levels that we humans understand. And one of those levels, I think, is um, is eating, is partaking of food and, um, and that Jesus meets us there is mysterious but also incredible. Well, and just think for a moment, Kellen, about human relationships maybe in particular about relationships marked by love. Um, When people try to express their deep love for someone else, rarely, if ever, have I seen just a list of attributes just put into an Excel file and said, you know, this is why I love this person. What you get is poetry and you get art and you get music And I think that's what John's up to. And I think it's an expression of what a living relationship will produce. Uh, Something that's not so literal, something that requires poetry, because these relationships of love and a relationship with God is oftentimes beyond words. It's not something that can be described in such kind of literal terms. I don't know. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, so I guess the question is still like, 
then how do we come to know Jesus? Um, if it's maybe not always in the like literal and obvious ways or expected ways. Um, Kellen, I think there are lots of different answers to that question. Something that's been on my mind in particular, uh, maybe in the past year or two, is just uh, to learn from someone else who knows Jesus well, uh, to spend time with people who have been transformed by their relationship with Christ. I think that's a way that we human beings come to know Christ, is that other people take us to Jesus. And um, I think that literally means uh, thinking through who we spend time with and um, trying to, to learn from, other, from each other. I mean, I, I think that's a helpful way uh, to come to know Jesus. And in this morning's gospel, we're graced, I think, to spend uh, some time with John and his perspective on uh, who Christ is. Let it be multiplied as it's broken in your hands. You are my daily, you are my daily. Here's a blessing by Jan Richardson called Blessing of Enough. I know how small this blessing seems, just a morsel that hardly matches the sharp hunger you carry inside you. But trust me when I say, though I can scarcely believe it myself, that between and behind and beneath these words, there is a space where a table has been laid, a feast has been prepared, all has been made ready for you, and it will be enough and more. So take All right, podcast listeners, I don't know that we have a ton of announcements uh, this week, except that it's wonderful to be back on the podcast. Great to be back into this pattern with you, Kellen, um, and look forward to seeing you all in worship on Sunday. Kellen, do you have anything that you want to keep in front of folks? Oh, just keep the kids of Incarnation and the community in your prayers as they finish up Vacation Bible Camp this week. We love you. We miss you. God's peace.